Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. I want to take a minute at the beginning here to say thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the constant show of support. Did I say thank you yet? I also want to take this time to thank everyone who has left a review for this show. Reviews are the best way for other people to find the show and one of the best ways to show your support. So if you haven't already, it would be so kind of you to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. I would really appreciate that. I also want to let you guys know about some exciting things. I just launched a Patreon, which I'm really, really excited about. Head on over to patreon.com slash hauntedamericanhistory. For $5 a month, you will get access to ad-free episodes, as well as a brand new true crime paranormal audio drama that will be launching exclusively to Patreon in 2022. Haunted American History presents Stories of the Forgotten, based around the missing children from the merry-go-round episode and the retired detective's tireless work to find them. Produced with a full cast, this is something that I cannot wait to share. And if that wasn't enough, I will also be continuing my Zachary Bain story, which I started in the episode titled Happy Halloween, as a Patreon exclusive. Hear how Zach makes out with his new life as a student of House, before it gets turned into a novel. So as you can see, I'm really keeping busy. And it's all thanks to you. Another thing that I wanted to mention is that I was recently a guest on the Disney on the Rocks podcast. I helped out hosts Jeff and Eric to give a review of the Disney Plus Halloween special, Muppets Haunted Mansion. We got drunk and talked about rides, Muppets, and movies. A good time had by all, so feel free to check it out. The link will be in my show description. And while you're at it, why not stop by our social media and give us a shout? We'd love to hear from you. Okay, okay, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Holidays are important. And every single one of us has a favorite. Maybe it's Christmas. Maybe Easter. But there are some people that take a different route when it comes to their preferences. Halloween might not be the most charming holiday, 
being the epicenter of ghosts, fake blood, and walking skeletons. But for one couple, it was the merriest time of year. Jack and Anna would trade Christmas carols and jingle bells for horrifying songs and jack-o'-lanterns any day of the week. Since the holiday was approaching, they were out hunting for the scariest decorations they could find. Being the new neighbors on the block, they wanted to make a statement. They wanted to be regarded as the scariest house in the neighborhood. And none of that cliche stuff that everyone had either. They didn't want the same clowns and monsters that you would find standing in every big box store. Oh no. They wanted something to make them stand out and showcase their holiday spirit in its entirety. Anna and Jack hopped in their car and started hitting up every place that sold what they were looking for. Of course, being so close to Halloween, everyone was out looking for decorations. In each store they entered, they saw a myriad of people holding pumpkins ready to carve, little bottles of fake blood, glow-in-the-dark skeletons and scary witches that would scream when the motion sensor would be activated. Yes, these all seemed fine in other people's eyes, but Jack and Anna were looking for something really breathtaking. But, to their dismay, nothing really stood out. Nothing that would complement the new house that they now call home. They recently bought a grand Victorian-style home, which in all honesty looked haunted without even decorations. But they wanted something that would really complement the aesthetic of the home. Jack took up his phone while browsing the store in search for Halloween decorations, and then aired it year-round to the end of it. He figured if such a place existed, they would have to have better stuff or at least something different than what everyone else had. To his delight, something popped up. It was a year-round Halloween and Christmas shop, located about 70 miles from their house. Well, that was doable, Jack thought to himself. He called Anna over to show her what he found. Her eyes lit up and she just said, we have to go. Unfortunately, they close in 45 minutes, so they'd never make it. But tomorrow they open at 10 a.m., and since both of them were off from work, they decided to make a date out of it. They woke up the next morning about 20 minutes before their alarm clock went off, both too excited to sleep. They were like kids on Christmas morning. They brewed a pot of coffee and filled their yetis, threw some Pop-Tarts in the toaster, well, Anna did. Jack ate them cold like some sort of animal. And they got in their car and set off on their journey to this Halloween oasis. The ride took them a little over an hour, and when they arrived, they knew the mileage was worth it. And that was just from them setting their eyes on the place from outside. Once they stepped through the front doors, the two were blown away. The place was a giant building containing two stories of everything you would need on Halloween. The decorations were somewhat similar to the ones that you would find in the other stores. Listen, you can't blame them. They're going to carry what sells. But they also had all the classics. But they were made with such an attention to detail that it was hard not to fall in love with each and every piece. Anna was running around the place like a child in a candy store. But Jack stood there for a while, soaking it all in. He was the more practical one. He knew that they needed to pick up exactly what would work with their house, and not overcrowd their front lawn with unnecessary decorations. After looking around for a bit, Jack started to slowly examine everything that came in his path. But there was one piece that really caught his eye. It was a doll of an old woman, sitting in a rocking chair. At first sight, someone could say that the woman was alive. But on close inspection you could determine that it was almost a perfectly constructed animatronic. The sign said, do not touch the decorations, but Jack completely ignored this. 
He put his hand on the doll's face and the skin along the wrinkles gave him chills. This is exactly why we made this trip, Jack thought to himself. He then noticed that the doll was connected through a wire to a power source. He pushed a pretty big red button and the doll opened its eyes. The chair started rocking back and forth and she even started knitting, moving her hands as close to the real thing as possible. Oh, you made a new friend? Hello, I'm Anna, his wife said, coming right next to Jack and the doll. Jack, I've never seen something that looks so real. We need it. We have to get one of these, she said while frantically pulling on her husband's shirt sleeve. While they both examined the doll, the couple was met by a man. Tall, with white hair and a fairly long beard. He was wearing a Spaced Invaders t-shirt. A particularly bad movie from 1990 about a crew of dim-witted Martians who overhear a radio broadcast of Orson Welles' War of the World, and they come to Earth thinking that the Martian fleet is attacking. They land their broken-down ship in a backwater mid-American town. As luck would have it, they land on Halloween and get mistaken for trick-or-treaters. Comedy ensues as the Martians try to get taken seriously. Jack only knows this because, as a kid, his grandfather was going to the video store, and Jack asked him to pick up Invasions of the Body Snatchers, and he received that movie instead. Why was 10-year-old Chris, uh, I mean, Jack asking his grandfather for a horror movie from the 70s? Well, that's for a different show. It was the shop owner, and he looked as interesting as all the decorations he had for sale. The couple inquired about the doll. They wanted to know where it came from, and how come it was the only one in the entire store. The man's happy expression changed to a momentary frown as he looked down at the doll on the chair before reverting back to his welcoming grin. He then proceeds to explain that it came from a prop house that specializes in Halloween decorations. They especially work with movies and other productions, being one of the few places in the entire country that deliver such a high-quality product. Oh, do they have a website? Do you think we're able to get something shipped so close to Halloween? Anna asked, a little panicked. The owner immediately said that it was just about 10 minutes away by car, but then his tone became somber. He looked them both in the eye and said, If you're serious about acquiring these kinds of props, they can't be treated like normal decorations. These aren't the set-it-and-forget-it types. They need, how do I say, special care. Special care? What do you mean? Jack asked, but before the man could answer, one of his employees called him at the cash register. It seemed that there was some sort of a mix-up, and he was needed. They were also informed prior to leaving that these props were very expensive, so be prepared to pay a premium. The two came out of the store, both holding their phones. They sat on a bench out front and started looking up the place mentioned by the store owner. Not long after that, Jack shot up and screamed, They're open, but only for another half an hour. Let's go, he told his wife while grabbing her hand. We're going to have the scariest house in the neighborhood. I can't wait to see the faces of the neighbors. It will be amazing. Anna told her husband while he was swerving through traffic, trying to get there before the place closed. To their disappointment, and because of several red lights, they arrived two minutes after closing. We're late. No, Anna said while they parked their car. Come on, there has to be someone still in there, Jack said while hopping out. He knocked on the door, but no one answered. Whoa, Anna said while Jack was still knocking on the door. He asked what's wrong, and saw her a couple feet back looking at the store. He went right beside her to have a better look himself. The place looked quite eerie. The walls were black, and you can tell that the windows didn't quite let enough outside light in. 
The door was made of a dark wood, and it was almost 8 feet tall. It looked like it had been burned, but not all the way. Char marks crisscrossed, making for a really cool effect. And above the door, crouching on top of the ornate woodwork that surrounded it, was a stone sculpture of a little demon, crouching and smiling at whoever comes into the shop, at the same time maintaining that evil stare. It had little horns, a tail coming up from behind it, and something in its right hand, which the couple couldn't quite make out what it was. As the two were analyzing the outside of the place, the door opened slowly, accompanied by a sinister creak. Hello? Jack said while approaching the entrance, followed by his wife. No one answered, but they decided to peek in anyway. The place was dark, and only lit up by some candles. I guess they didn't pay the electric bill, Anna said, trying to make a joke so that the atmosphere wouldn't seem so tense. The place was full of old trinkets. Mostly junk. Nothing that really caught their eyes. Nothing like the doll they saw at the last place, and definitely nothing like the man they described. Hello. A voice said seemingly out of thin air, frightening them. It was coming from another room. Standing in the doorway was an old man, dressed in sort of a kimono, and with a pointy hat on his head. His attire had only two colors, gold and black. Oh, hi, Jack said with a jump. We were uh, sent here by the Halloween warehouse guy. He said you sell lifelike props, and I was curious if you had any left in stock. From the looks of it, I'm gonna say no. Jack said to the man. The old man smiled and waved his hand as if telling them to follow him. And the two did exactly that. They went through the doorway he was standing leading into a long dark hallway that brought them outside to a courtyard. As they stepped foot out the door and onto the grass, they were left speechless. Dozens of lifelike dolls were occupying this so-called garden in the back of the store. The two felt like they were on a movie set. Look at this one, it's a man coming out of a grave. It looks so real, it's giving me chills, Anna told her husband while she was looking around the place. But he looked from a distance, analyzing all the animatronics. And as he gazed over the entire collection, a few stood out to him. It was a group of demonic-looking children playing on different playground equipment. A boy and a girl were sitting on a teeter-totter. One girl was sitting on a swing. And the last two dolls were sitting on a small merry-go-round. These are perfect, he said while he approached the dolls. These are the ones we need. I've never seen anything like this. We'll take these, he told the shop owner, which was staying at the door. Do, do they come as a set? Anna was also infatuated with the dolls her husband found. She was scanning them closely with her eyes, touching their hair and running her fingers across the latex that made up their skin. Ah, my children, the old man said. A wonderful choice. Are these your first... Our first what? Anna asked, confused. Children, of course. Do you have any? Jack, thinking this conversation was getting a little personal, but decided to play along, said, No, these will be our first. We decided to have a few right away, you know. A one-and-done situation, Jack said with a smirk. I only ask this because normally people who have experience with children do the best with them, replied the old man. This group requires a, how do you say, special care? They only know mischief, but with a stern hand and steady guidance, they can bring you generations of joy. Oh yeah? They're built to last, huh? Jack said while laughing. But the old man didn't return the laughter. At the end of the day, the couple didn't care about what the man told them. 
All they knew is that they needed these decorations, and they were willing to pay whatever. Jack told the man that he would take extra special care of them, and that they would take them. He'd have told the old man he'd feed them breakfast in bed and massage their feet every night. Anything to close the deal and get them out of this creepy old store. After loading the dolls in the truck, they started to drive home. They look so real, I can't take my eyes off them, Anna told Jack while looking back at their purchase. I know we're going to have the scariest house in the neighborhood, no doubt, Jack responded while keeping his eyes on the road. It was weird that the owner didn't want full price, huh? Anna continued the conversation. Yeah, I mean, who sells something that's so cheap? and then tells the customer they can pay full price only if they're satisfied with the product, Jack responded, being so proud of the deal he got on those supposedly expensive animatronics. Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Soon they were home. They pulled up into their driveway and someone came to greet them. It was their Labrador, Bixie. He wiggled his tail and jumped around at the sight of his owners returning home. But there was something strange he did thereafter. As Anna and Jack unloaded the animatronics into their garage, Bixie acted strangely. He started growling at the new purchases, putting his head close to the ground and not letting them get out of his sight. Don't worry, Bix, they're not real. Anna told their dog while going over to pet him so that he can relax. But that didn't work. Well, not as Anna would hoped it would. The dog was still on edge. He still saw these dolls as a threat, and the two just couldn't understand why. Hmm, maybe they're just too lifelike, Jack said, while getting the rest of the stuff out of the car. Hey Bix, let's go, boy. Jack called to the dog as they made their way into the house. Bixie, who remained in the garage next to the decorations, cautiously sniffed them, taking small steps closer to them until all of a sudden, he starts whining before turning around and dashing into the house. At that exact same moment, Anna came out to see what was happening with the dog, and he just ran past her. What's wrong, boy? She said without getting any reaction. As she walked towards the dolls, she noticed something strange. The head of the red-headed little boy was turned towards the door when it was originally facing their car after they unloaded it. That's odd, Anna says while putting her hand on the doll's head. Maybe it had a little bit of power left running through these wires. 
she said before calling her husband to get everything in the garage. Everything was pretty heavy, mostly because of all the accessories. Done, Jack says as he finished getting everything inside. The two stood there in the door between the garage and the kitchen, looking at their purchase. I still can't believe they look so lifelike, Anna said. Yeah, they're, they're kind of creepy, actually. I mean, that's what we were going for, but still, Jack added before closing the door for the night. After their normal nighttime routine, Anna and Jack went to bed. But there was something strange. Hey, Bixie, what are you doing? Do you want to sleep in our room? Jack asked the dog. Usually, he would sleep on his bed in the living room. But that night, the dog followed them upstairs to their room, wanting to sleep at the foot of their bed. Feeling bad about leaving him all morning and afternoon while they went decoration hunting, they decided to let him. In the middle of the night, Jack was awoken by the sound of something breaking downstairs. He quickly gets up. Bixie is already awake, alertly standing with a low growl coming from the dog's throat. The man grabs his baseball bat and tells his wife to stay in bed and to have 911 on the ready, just in case, and goes downstairs. He sees broken glass on the floor of the kitchen. Hey! I have a baseball bat! You better show yourself! But no one answered. Bixie was staying close to him the entire time. Jack searched every nook and cranny of the house, looking for whoever might have broken the glass, but to his relief, there wasn't any intruder inside. He just assumed that the glass was set maybe too close to the edge of the counter and fell over during the night. As he turned around, lowering his bat, he sees something that caught his eye. He saw that the door that connects the garage to the kitchen was slightly open. He slowly walks towards the door, and while he does that, the dog barks loud, as if he was warning the owner of some possible danger. What's wrong, boy? Is anyone in there? He asks his dog. As Jack approaches the garage, he started barking more, and more frantically, and even bit Jack's ankle so that he wouldn't go in. The man finally enters the garage while his dog made all kinds of sounds behind him. No one was in there. Everything was in order. The dolls, his tools, everything was right where he left them. But Bixie kept acting crazy. He stepped into the garage to have a look around with Bixie following him closely. Now that the adrenaline rush of having a possible break in his past, he felt tired again. He gave the garage a good once over and checked the door handles of the car. He even peeked into the car's windows. He turned and tiredly stumbled back into the house, closing the door behind him. In his exhausted days, forgetting that Bixie followed him into the garage and locking the dog in for the night. Bixie was too busy sniffing the dolls to notice his master left until he heard the door close and the light turn off. After about five hours, the couple woke up to go to work. They slept in and hurried to get dressed. During the frantic pace of getting ready for work, Jack realized that he hasn't seen the dog yet this morning, which was very odd because he's normally waiting at the back door for them as soon as they get downstairs to be let out. That's when Jack remembers he followed him into the garage. He tells Anna what he did, and she darted for the garage door, feeling awful that they left him in there all night. Anna reached the door, and the second after she opened it, she yelled, What happened in here? Jack ran to meet his wife, and he saw that the garage was in complete disarray. His tools were everywhere, and the countless car wash bundles he had were thrown all over the place. He's gone, Anna told him. Jack entered the garage, and there was no sign of Bixie. Only his collar was on the floor right next to one of the dolls. This didn't look like this last night, Jack said. Did Bixie freak out being locked in here all night and make this mess? Anna asked. Jack just shrugged 
The couple went outside to the backyard to look for him, because the door that led from the garage to the yard had a doggy door on it, so maybe he let himself out, but he wasn't anywhere in sight. Jack and Anna panicked. They even asked some neighbors after knocking on their door if they saw Bixie, but no one had a clue where he was. Finally, they had to ask their neighbor next door to give them a call if they should see Bixie throughout the day. They were late for work, and they couldn't afford not to go. That day, all they did was think about Bixie. Anna even went to the bathroom to cry a couple of times, and Jack just felt so bad that he forgot him in the garage. He would never forgive himself if something happened to him. Finally, they both got off work. Jack picked up his wife as usual, and they drove home. All they could talk about was Bixie. The couple didn't have anything else on their mind, and who can blame them? But when they arrived, their house was a mess. Everything was upside down. Plates were broken, cupboards were smashed open, the TV was hanging off the wall, and the couch had kitchen knives stuck into it. They immediately called the police. The police came and took a report and stated that there was no sign of break-in, and the couple told them that nothing was missing. The cops thought that maybe they left the door unlocked, and some kids came in and wrecked the place. It was getting close to Halloween, and kids were always doing stupid things like this this time of the year. They cleaned up the mess and realized that they were taking the knives out of the couch and returning them to the block, that one of them was missing. They looked around for it, but they couldn't find it anywhere. Cleaning everything up, the couple was wiped. All the stress about Bixie, and now the house being turned upside down, really got to them. They spent the little energy they had left looking for their dog, but they didn't have any luck. So nighttime came, and they went to bed. In the middle of the night, Jack woke up feeling like he couldn't breathe. The first thing he thought was that he was having a heart attack, but as he would see, there wasn't anything of the sort going on. He noticed that he couldn't move his hands, or his legs. They were tied to the bed, and on top of them, right there on his chest, sat one of the dolls. The one dressed in a navy uniform was sitting on him, with his back to him. Jack yelled and the animatronic turned around revealing a creepy smile and the knife in his hand. The man stopped yelling out of fear or confusion. He didn't even know what to do at this point. But he looked to his side, and he didn't see his wife. Are you okay, honey? Her voice could be heard from downstairs. She heard his scream. I just came down for some water, but I'm feeling a little hungry. Do you want anything? Anna asked him. But as soon as Jack tried to say something, the animatronic stuffed the bedsheet into his mouth. Then the doll left the room, heading downstairs. Anna was looking in the fridge, while she felt a smack on her butt. She thought it was her husband and said, You're not sleepy either, huh? And she turned around smiling. But she didn't see anyone. Anna had a confused look on her face. She called out for her husband, but he didn't answer. Before turning around, she had her eye on a leftover slice of pizza in the fridge. After seeing that her husband wasn't behind her, she faced the fridge again to grab it and saw that it was gone. Wait a minute, she said while scratching her head. Then, as she was trying to figure out what happened to her pepperoni, something caught her attention. The sound of someone spitting something out. She turned around thinking it was Jack, only to see one of the dolls spitting pieces of pizza onto the floor. Anna screamed in terror as the doll looked right at her. Then, all of a sudden, he threw the slice of pizza in her face and laughed. Anna thinks she's dreaming now. She closed her eyes while saying, If I'm dreaming, I need to wake up. If I'm dreaming, I need to wake up now. But as she opened her eyes again, instead of one kid, there were three. Anna screamed and made a run for it, 
She tried to run upstairs, but one of them grabbed her leg and she fell down onto her face. While trying to get free, she kicked one of them, but it wouldn't let go. Another one jumped on her back and started pulling her hair, almost ripping it out. The pain was exquisite, and Anna let out a blood-curdling scream for her husband. But Jack is trapped, and he couldn't help her. Eventually, they pull her down the stairs, and drag her through the house and into the garage. They tie her up and leave her laying down in a fetal position on the garage floor. The red-headed doll's lifeless, unblinking eyes began to scan the garage while tears of terror streamed down Anna's cheeks. Then the boy starts jumping up and down with excitement, and the others join in when they see what he spotted. It scurries over to the corner of the garage next to the lawnmower and picks up a red container. Anna freaks out when one of them goes and helps the redhead take the cap off. It was gasoline. The mischievous dolls look at each other and start laughing while going into the house with a full canister of gas. All the while, Anna spots a handsaw lying on the floor and tries to crawl over to cut the rope behind her back but she falls on her face yet again, not being able to get back up. The dolls start pouring gas everywhere, laughing at the same time. They even go upstairs and pour it on Jack. After they empty the canister, the three go into the kitchen to find something to ignite their blaze with. While all of this is going on, the feeling of hopelessness has washed over Anna, pulling all the fight out of the woman, laying on the cold garage floor with her eyes closed tight, hoping to wake up from this nightmare. She heard movement behind her but was too scared to open her eyes. She knew whatever she heard was getting closer to her now, right up behind her. Crying, she begged, please, please don't kill me. Whatever I did to deserve this, I'm sorry, please, please don't kill me. She could feel the warm breath on the back of her neck. And a lick from its tongue? She turns around and sees it's their dog. It's Bixie. He came back. He must have run away when these things started moving that first night. He was in there with them. Poor guy, probably scared him half to death. Bixie managed to chew the rope and Anna was free in no time. She spoke to the dog and one of the kids heard it. He went to see what was going on and upon entering the garage, the woman hit him with a hammer, breaking its head into a thousand pieces. Then she quietly came out of the garage to take care of the others. Little did she know that one of the kids was standing on a piece of furniture next to the door. He jumped on her back and began to stick his fingers in her eyes. Anna screamed and tried to get it off him. Out of nowhere, Bixie bites the dog's foot and pulls it so hard that it breaks off. The doll falls to the floor and Bixie, in a fit of rage and trying to protect his owner, decapitates this demonic animatronic. Two more of them were in the kitchen, looking through drawers. They stopped what they were doing when they heard the commotion and came scurrying around the corner, one holding a rolling pin and the other holding the missing knife. They stopped dead in their tracks when they saw a bloodied Anna, holding a hammer, and Bixie, growling, showing teeth in a position ready to pounce. They didn't even have time to run. There was one left. He was hiding somewhere, holding a lighter, ready to set the house on fire. Suddenly, from behind a couch, a bottle of wine came flying towards her head, knocked her out cold. The child laughed and proceeded to try to destroy the house and everything in it. He flicked the Zippo and the flame lit, his little legs running toward the puddle of gas. But seconds before the flame connected with the gasoline in the living room, the dog jumped on the doll and bit its right hand off, the one which held the lighter. The doll overpowered the dog and started strangling Bixie with its one hand. The dog was struggling for air, letting out choking barks and those weird backward sneezes that dogs do. The face of the smiling boy looked to be growing with excitement with the possibility of killing the dog 
Just before Bixie's light was permanently extinguished, the kid's shoulders were relieved of its head, sending it across the room, breaking the window and landing on their front lawn. Anna recovered from the blow and hit the doll as hard as she could with the rolling pin. She hugged Bixie, who recovered in no time, standing up and letting out a sneeze so big that he hit his little face on the floor. Poor guy. And then she went upstairs to free her husband. They were all right. They made it. They gathered the broken dolls and put them in a bag. They decided to go back to the store and tell the owner that the dolls nearly killed them. Special care my ass. But as they arrived, the place looked deserted. Even though it didn't look like much before, now, now it was completely empty. A sign was hanging on the door that read, Closed for the season. No exchanges or refunds. Happy Halloween. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. Music by Kevin McLeod.